Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by our guest speaker be a blessing to your life and helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Well, at this time, I am going to invite Brother Shesher to come. We've supported Brother Shesher for, let's see, how long has it been? Yeah, it's been a long time. I, I think the Statue of Liberty was a little girl. Yeah, yeah, let, yeah. let me have a big hug. God bless you. Love you, you, buddy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, how many girls again? Three girls. Three girls. Yes. I only wanted one. Um, but let me just say this, and I, I'm going to say this because I got permission. Of course. I got permission You're now. You're pastor. You can go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we have another grandchild coming to the family. Woo-hoo. And so Aaron and Heather is uh, now going to be having a child. And so uh, that's exciting. So I got the go-ahead yesterday. I could finally say something. So um, (laughs) I realize it's going to be on the Internet as well. Awesome. (laughs) So, hey, God bless you, three girls. And it's a boy. And it's a boy. That's what I was going to say. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Well, don't you love your pastor, church? Come on. Don't you love your pastor, church? Amen. Are you guys ready for some more today? Is it all right? And uh, are you guys ready for some more today? Church isn't over yet. It's just starting. All right. I don't see a clock, and I love churches when I don't see a clock. Look at this. I can barely see mine on here. We are in good shape today. All right. Well, guys, I, I do want more. You know, I, I tell you, church, listen. I, I, I was just sharing with Pastor this this morning, that I am 53 years old this year, and, uh, and man, I am, I am so excited. I want more of God. I mean, I, I want more in the church. I want more for my kids. I want more for my life. I think the best years, and especially, I'm thinking best years in ministry, but I think the best years of our preaching should be 50s, 60s, and 70s, okay? I do that. You know why I think that? Because my 101-year-old grandma says this. She's incredibly healthy. Didn't take meds till 95. I mean, she's, well, 90s, I should say. She's incredible lady. 101 on her own. She doesn't care in her groceries, but everything else she does. Cleaning, cooking, the whole deal. Okay? So everything I share today and this idea of wanting more from God is that I think of my 101-year-old grandma that I just visited. And you know what she tells me? At 101, she says, God is not done with me yet. And she is evangelizing his, her apartment building at 101. So it doesn't matter where we're at age-wise today. God still wants to do more. Can I get a bigger amen, church? Okay? So if you sit here today thinking, hey, you know, I'm this age, that age, 20s, 30s, 40s, 60s, 70s. My grandma is older than all of you. And she's evangelizing, okay? So everything I preach today, I'm thinking about my grandma today, okay? So if you think I'm too old, I've already served, I've already done, that's not what I read in this book that we have, okay? I read that God does great things when people are older, children born. God uses them, calls them at older ages so that God will be glorified through it all. Amen, church? Amen. 
Well, let me introduce my family. This is my, my three girls. If you can't tell, men, this is how you do it. If you can't tell, my wife is in the center. All right, my wife, Leah. And uh, this is, these are missionaries, all of them. They all grew up in Japan. We've been in Japan for about 13 years and uh, so, a little bit longer than that, but 13 years doing youth ministry and then pastoring a church. We saw God, and I shared a little bit this morning at 9.30, but we saw God take us from a one story, or one room rather, not one room, one, one room church. When I showed up, 10 people, the children's church was through the bar district, and then they had a, a room in the back of the bar district building. This, this bar was up front, children's church room in the back. We actually had to clear out the cockroaches on Sunday morning. No joke, clear it out so that we could have children's church. We didn't know where the source of the cockroach, we didn't know where they were coming from. So we just chased them out, and I was like, God... Who's going to come to this church? You know, there's 10 people. It's sad in the front. Chairs are old. They had this old upright piano that was out of tune. I said, God, what? who's going to come? Later on, I had people say, man, I walked by that church before you, we moved. But he says, before you moved, I walked by that church and said, no way I'm walking in there. But who would bring their kids knowing that it was full of cockroaches? I said to God, I said, with my family when they were young. I said, God, I'm not good enough of a pastor. I'm not good enough of a missionary. I, I didn't grow up in the church. Yes, I've been to Bible college, but guys, it seemed, you know, it seemed like it was so little that I needed. So I walk into this place in Japan and I say, God, you must show up. When you look at your family, you look at your workplace, you look at your city, it's the same thing. I said, God, you must show up in this place because if you don't, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. I'm not that good. I don't have talents. I can fix your car. I'm an old, old car guy. I'm electronics from the military, so I'm like mechanics, electronics, plumbing, electrical, any of that stuff. Man, I can do all that. But church-wise, I have very few giftings. I can't sing. I wasn't a natural speaker. I stumble over my words. All these, I have no giftings at all. I didn't even grow up in this. And so, God, I ask you to show up in this place. I ask you to show up in my workplace, my city, my church, because I want you to move. I was hungry for more of God. I started with you today there. I want more of God. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. So when I ask you today, are you satisfied with where you're at? Are you okay with coming to church, having a good job, finally getting a house, having, getting married, having some kids? Is, is that it? Is, is that all that God has for us? That we have a good life, we have money in the bank. Now we bought some furniture. Now we got a car. Is, is that what this life is about? That, that we secure our retirements? Is, is that it? If that's it, guys, 
If I present that to non-believers, if that was presented to me in that way, I want nothing to do with this Christianity. If that is it, that we live this good life, I, I don't want it. Because I can do that out in the world, and I don't have to serve God or do anything else. Do you know what I'm talking about, church? We can have this good life without God. You, you can have probably... Listen. If you follow this, it is about sacrifice. Out in the world, it's not about sacrifice. It's about making money. And you can have it all. And not always when you follow Christ, it's about that. Because sometimes you're giving away 38% of your income for missions. It's sacrifice. You live differently. And so I pray for more of God in this once-room church. We went into a fast. We saw God move us into a two-story building, very small. Don't think big. We went into another fast because we began to see God move for fasting. When we were hungry for God, we were saying, God, we're going to do whatever it takes to see this church grow. More than that, to see people in our city reach Because no one knew his came in. No one's visited the cockroaches, right? No one's came in. And I'm like, God, you must do this. And so we went in this time of fasting and fasting again. And we went in from that two-story building. And we moved into this six-story building in miraculous way. We had no money. I had enough money in this six-story building, what I was paying rent in the last building, to cover the utilities, and that was it. It was an empty factory building. And today, guys, I don't have time to tell you a story because I want to get in this, but today that is a fully restored, remodeled, incredible building. Five stories for a church, one story for an apartment. I have people coming and stopping by just to take pictures because they don't see a six-story church in Japan. And this church became known as a place of change. This church was a place of transformation for people. One quarter to a half on Sunday morning would be unchurched. The tallest guy in the church, the tallest person in the church was a guy, sat right here in the front seat. He was a married gay man. And he didn't hide it. Stood right in there in the front seat. And people would whisper, Pastor. They'd come up to me and whisper, Pastor, do you know he's gay? And I'd be like, yes, he's my friend. I know him. In fact, I invited him to come to this church. Our church was full of ungodly people. I was proud on Sunday morning when someone would ask me to take a smoke break out in front of the church. Because I knew that we had the world in the church. And if the church could be here and experience what you experience, and they could hear from this book, and they could know this man Jesus, then their life would be changed. We had people in the highest level of the community telling people not to come to our church. I had this lady, we had prayer tables, we didn't have a stage but we had a prayer table to the side. She came up, Lord touched her heart. 
The la- I had another lady that was cleaning the church that weekend. She's a believer. She didn't know what this new table, she didn't attend our church. She was cleaning the church, but she, she was vacuuming around this table. And she says, I was overwhelmed in the spirit. And I began to pray in tongues around the table. She says, Pastor, what are those tables for? And I said, it's our prayer table. Lives are being changed. This lady came up to that prayer table. Her life was changed. First time in church. I think she maybe went when she was a little kid, but that was first time in church. Life changed. She's in church, loves God today. And this lady, she told me the story. She, she said, Pastor, this week, she says, my commander, you know who we used to party with, Right? They weren't in the church. This commander, the squadron commander, is a military base outside, uh, or military base, and our church was outside that you see here. Our church was outside that military base. Japanese, Americans, Filipinos, all kinds of people in this church. And she says, my commander said, you coming out again Friday, Saturday night? And she says, no, I'm going to church. And I was like, that's my church member. Yeah. And she says, no, we're going to church. And the commander's wife said, where do you go to church? And she says, Rock Point Church. We, we changed the name of it. it. Actually, the name of the city was Rock Country. And so we named our church Rock Point Country, tied it to the city and tied it to biblical thought. And so Rock Point Church, she said, and she told my friend, this commander goes, do not go to Rock Point Church. And I started apologizing for her. I was like, in this story, she's telling me a story. I started apologizing. I said, maybe she came to the church or maybe, you know, maybe I said something. You know, I can be pretty strong sometimes. And she says, Pastor, she's never been to the church. I don't even know who the lady is, actually. I didn't know who she was. But she's telling people not to come to our church. And I'm like, I got to know more. Why is this lady that I don't know that's never been to our church telling people not to come? And she said this. She says, well, she says the commander's wife went on to say that another couple started coming to the church. And pastor, they were going to church every Sunday. Every Sunday. The commander's wife had no understanding why someone would stop partying and begin to go to church every Sunday. And then she goes, it was was scandalous. She goes, I think they even got involved in leadership. It was huge. You know what's happening? We were stealing her partying buddies. Isn't that great? They were no longer partying with her. And she heard about this church because now this is the second couple that they can't party with. And they're in church every Sunday. And, I, and the lady, the commander's wife, goes on and she did not mean it well. I told you at 9.30, another thing that was redeemed, we redeemed this statement also. She didn't mean it in a nice way. She told my friend, do not go to Rock Point or you'll be changed. Isn't that? And I said, if people are in town, are talking that way, we're doing at least a little bit right. Amen, church? That our church is known as a place of change. Everyone, I'm talking high 90%, people that came through that church had a testimony when they left. Let our churches be known as a place of change. Amen, church? Okay. I don't feel like I'm convincing you yet this morning here, okay? 
I don't, okay? We're going we're to have to go longer. You're not convinced, I can tell, okay? If you start saying amen and clapping, then maybe we'll shorten it a little bit, okay? But listen, you're not convinced this morning. Listen, okay? I, I can feel the room. Guys, I can feel this. You're not convinced. Listen, I walked into this church I got saved in, okay? Non-denominational church, not Pentecostal, okay? But I walked in there. I said, man, just let me, let me just speak and say thank you. I just want to speak in the church I got saved in. This is in Yuma, Arizona, okay? I walk in. It's nothing but gray, Gray hair, that is. Okay? Packed, though. Packed gray hair. I walk through the door. I'm excited. This is a church I got saved. Walk through the door. Gray-haired person greets me. I'm just going to say that. Gray and silver. Okay? Gray, silver, and white. That's what it was. Okay? I walk through the door. Hi, my name's Scott. I got saved here. And they said, I just got saved here, too. Got my attention. I walk not but 10 feet. There's people in the hallway behind the, like this. And guy in the back says, hi, my, you know, we greet. Hi, I got saved here last year. And I said, well, what's happening here? I walk up here and I start talking with people. They said, I just got saved here a month ago. This is gray, silver, and white hair, church. The place is packed. Before I made it to the front, I at least talked to 10 people that had gray hair, and they just recently got saved there. The place was alive. I did a Q&A after the service. I was freaking out. Because the people were asking me questions that the pastor should be asking. One of the ladies in there said, what about young people? We don't have young people in this church. And she said, what do we do about it? And I'm like looking at the pastor like, Giving him the hint. I'm not the pastor of this church. This is your church. He didn't say a word. He stood there like, he didn't even give me the signal like, you answer. I had to answer the question. I was like, I'm going to get in trouble here. This isn't even my church. And he's, she's asking me a church question. What is, about, what is this church going to be doing? The pastor wouldn't answer. I said, guys, as I walked through this building this morning... I talked to 10 people that just got saved in this church. God is doing a great work here. Do not worry about the young people. God has called you to reach gray, silver, white, older people than me. That is who God has called you to reach. It was an unbelievable place. I want you to be convinced this morning. If you're here, you know where I'm going. If you're here with gray, white, silver, hair. God is not finished because my 101 101 year old grandma would argue with you today to say if you think you're retired from what God wants to do, you're wrong. Because I met the people in her building and it's not assisted living, it's independent. I met the people that said your grandma has had a great impact in my life. If you think you're finished here today, you're wrong. Are you convinced yet, church? Can I get an amen? amen? Come on. Okay. Guys, now, I don't have time. We're heading to Europe. God's called us there. 2%, less than 2% of Europe is in church on Sunday morning. 3% evangelical, Protestant. Less than 2% in church on That's why I'm going. A place I said I'd never go because it sounded like a vacation. 
But less than 2% got my attention. Secular people have no interest in your God or what you're doing here today. That's why I go, you want to know more? I need to move on. But that's on the table out there, okay? Because i got to share something with you today. You guys doing all right? You got to hear this, what I have today, okay? You have to hear it. I, stand up if you get sleepy, okay? Can, I, can you allow me that, okay? Guys, listen, you got to hear this, okay? Listen, when you send out a missionary like us, okay, when you send us out years ago, there should be a return on the investment. Just like, right, simple. You send out, you're working hard, you're given to missions, you're sacrificing, you should be able to see some results. Amen, church? There should be a return on your investment. And so here's a return. I, I, every story I'm going to share with you today, I pray is like a gift to you. I want it to be a gift to you for what you do. That wall, what you're doing, what you're sacrificing, I pray it's a gift to you today. And so this is it. There's this couple that came to the church. Wife is Jap- or ladies Japanese, man is American. He's working on the economy, not attached to the uh, um, the base, but he's just working out in town as a mechanic. So we connected car guys, and and so they come to the church. They're living in the world. They're not married. They're living together. So God began to touch their lives in this church, and these people, God transforms them. First thing I said, you got to get married. So they get married. You know, I have no authority there as a pastor, but in Japan, but we have a ceremony anyway. A spiritual ceremony in the church. They're married like that, living for God. They're in church every Sunday morning. And he's bringing other car guys, and I'm like, yeah, I love it. I love it. And so Chris and me are their names. And so God's did a great work. But she calls me one night, and this is the gift, this is the investment. If you didn't send us, none of this would happen. That six-story building wouldn't have happened. Lives changed, a place of change wouldn't have happened. Quarter to half, unchurched, wouldn't have happened. Japanese being reached, Americans, Filipinos, many others, actually other Asians being reached, wouldn't have happened. But Mia called me one night on the phone, this couple, and she was frantic and said, my dad just told my brother, Japanese family, traditional Japanese home, just told my brother to go commit suicide, and he left into the woods. Very common in Japan to go in the woods and commit suicide. And I said, Mia, what happened? She says, well, he stole tens of thousands of my dad's retirement money and lost it to a scammer. It's gone. And I said, Mia, let's pray, and... God had been doing a work of prayer in this couple's life. I, I prayed with them for a job for her. She got the best job. And the man's like, pray for me too, right? And so we prayed for him. He got the best job he's ever got. And so God was working this proof of prayer. That's how they came to, to kind of reconciliation, came to salvation with God, is because I said, my God works. This Bible is real. Let's pray and I'll show you. And we began to pray and things happened. Every single time we prayed. And so we came to this point where God had already been doing a work of prayer. They had jobs. God, they got married. All this thing, all these things happened. God brought healing in their lives. 
And I said, we're going to pray again for your brother. I prayed some very specific things. I felt the Lord said to pray for this brother that was out in the woods somewhere. They didn't even know where to look. They found the brother. Okay, they, Right before he committed suicide, he's back in the home. He's doing better. I praise the Lord for that. But, I, but she said, Pastor, what about the money? What, what is my family going to do? The tens of thousands, they're gone. It's gone. I said, Mia, what have I taught you all this time? We're going to pray for God to restore that money. This work of prayer. Jobs, marriage, the brother, family problems. Over and over there's turmoil in this house. And God began to work this healing just because we prayed. I said, we're going to pray for that money. Shortly Shortly after church, two guys show up at the door. You know where I'm going here. Two guys show up. There's a guy in front and there's a guy behind. Japanese men, Japanese home. You can enter the first doorway into this shoe area called the Genkan. You can walk into this area and then you can kind of knock on the the inner door. Okay, so they're walking in this house. They knock on the two men are standing out here. The old Japanese man that lost the money said, "Who are you?" He said, "Sir, my name, my of course in Japanese, I am the scammer that stole the money from your son." He says, "I kind of got caught. I would rather not go to jail. Can I pay you back monthly and pay you everything back?" And it works in Japan. He said, yes, that's an agreement. The man began to pay back this retirement money. It was being restored to the family. I was like, praise the Lord. I said, Mia, listen, who is the guy? I had to ask a question. I said, there's two men, you said. That was the scammer. But who is the guy standing behind him? And she says, Scott, you won't believe this. This is what she told me. She says, the guy standing behind the scammer was Yakuza. He was Japanese mafia. And I said, God spoke to the Japanese mafia. This is how your God works. He moved on the Japanese mafia to bring the scammer to the house. He did not come willingly. But the mafia brought him to the house because he had dishonored the organization because he got caught. Don't you love how our God works, church? This is the return on your investment. We saw God began to work supernaturally in our church like that. On Sunday morning, you're going to hear more stories. But guys, listen, I'm going to go through this quick. Okay? Quick. But there must be a return on your investment. Listen, any investment will cost you something. And if you think I'm talking about money, you've, you've, you've just missed it already. Please don't think that. Okay? But financially and spiritually, this is going to cost us something. Can you say today what Pastor just said? Giving or going to missions has cost you something. Has it hurt? Have you sacrificed something to reach people in your neighborhood? Have you sacrificed something at work? Image, reputation, promotion. Have you sacrificed anything to reach people for the gospel? Or has it been easy? Has it cost you anything to do this? I know this church. I'm on the, just in a few months, I'm on the second purge of my life. In other words, when I leave this country 
to go to the mission field. We're going to land in Spain, get our visas there. When I leave this country, in my possession will be my tools. I'm not getting rid of my tools. But I will own one bin this large. I will store and own nothing else besides this bin of keepsakes and my tools. Guys, have we sacrificed anything? When we went to the mission field the first time from this church, we sold our house, made a great profit, and we could have kept that, we could have put that in retirement. But the majority of that money, almost everything, held us, supported us those first term on the mission field. Gave everything I owned. Possessions, finances, where we walk away coming back to America maybe with $1,000 or less in our pocket. Has it cost us something to do this thing that God has called all us to? Has it hurt at all? Has there been any sacrifice to see the people in your workplace reached? Where you're willing to bring them in their home. They're cussing, their bad attitude, their bad stories in front of your kids. Are we willing to reach them? Are we willing to go be, to ruin our reputation at school, college, work, whatever it is, Are we willing to ruin our reputation and go sit with the most hated people in school or work? Why are you sitting with them? No one likes them. Because my God has called me. My Jesus went into places that no one would go. He went into dog country. It was called Samaria. They were called dogs by the Jews. I call it dog country. I think it's kind of cool. But anyway, I call it dog country, Samaria. And so when the Jews, including the disciples, would go around Samaria so they didn't have to step on Samarian ground, my Jesus that I know went straight into Samaria. And on top of that, he talked with a woman. When he was not supposed to do either of those. That's the Jesus I know. Sitting with tax collectors. Saving prostitutes. This is who Jesus is. This is who he is around. If we do not have them. What are we doing? What are we doing? If the worst of society is not in here sitting beside you because you invited them. What do we do in church? That's not what Jesus did. It wasn't clean people. It wasn't healthy people. He says, I came for those that needed a physician. So has it cost us anything at all? I know, church. Listen, I... Are you guys doing okay? Okay. I need a little bit. Are you guys doing okay? Okay? Okay. Because you guys need to hear this. I, I, I can't stress that much, but I'm going to move through as quickly as I can. Okay? I think it's vital for you. I know it's longer today, but I think this is so important for you. 
to transform your life and your church and your city. This, this must cost you things. First thing is invest in missions Local, this is building the kingdom of God, kingdom missions, kingdom building. Local missions, worldwide missions, okay? World missions, all right? Investing in missions will cost you your desires, 1 John 2.15, okay? Here it is. 1 John 2.15. All right. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves this world, the love of the Father is not in him. So listen. A group has split from John's church. They said, listen, they said, we believe now. You teach that. John, we believe now. We're separating from you. That we can do whatever we want with our body. But as long as our spirit is clean, we can go and do what we want. We can go sleep with temple prostitutes. We can eat sacrificed meat. We can, we can do whatever we want with our bodies as long as our spirit is clean. So, this is, this is radical what John is saying here. This group split. He speaks up and he says, do not love the world or anything in the world. He's speaking against this group. He says, if anyone loves this world, the love of the Father is not in him. Harsh words. This is Jesus. He's not this sweet, right? What are they? You know those pictures, right? This frail, sweet Jesus, right? That's not him. He was a carpenter. He was huge. He was a big man. A tough man. They call out religious leaders all the time. Willing to go to the cross. This was not a weak, frail man. And so his disciples speak harshly. If you love the world, if you love this life that the world has offered you, the love of the Father is not in him. That's what this is saying. It's hard. Listen. The temptation of enjoying everything in the world affects how we respond to giving or going to missions. If we love this world, it's all about us. I work for that paycheck. It's mine. Right? I worked for this retirement. It's mine. But if we love the world, it's about us. All that God has blessed us with goes to us. Giving or going to mission is minimal if it's about you, about me. I can tell you, listen, church, that when I'm in the middle of God's will, okay, and this is the things we like, we, we, like, we like heat in the church. Come on, right? It was a little cold when we walked in. I'm a little co- uncomfortable. I'm not sure if I'm going to stay. Listen. Guys, we want the blessings. We want the bla- breakthrough. We prayed about revival. We sang revival today. But unless you're willing cost you something. It's not going to come. We can sing about it, Pastor Dad Freedom. If we can sing about it all day, but unless we're willing to sacrifice time, effort, desires, all of those things in our life, we will not see revival come. Without great sacrifice, it will not come. 
unless you're broken, unless fasting and prayer, unless there's someone in the church says, we must be here and we must pray. Someone has to pray here in this, for this church, for this city, for our neighborhood. Someone has to drive, someone has to walk, someone has to go here. Who's gonna reach Salem if it's not you? Who? Who's gonna fill this church? Who's gonna do it? If you're waiting for Pastor Brian to do this, you have not understood anything in the scriptures. God has called you to go and reach your neighborhoods up to 101 years old church. Okay? Everybody in this church is called to be out there. And if you feel nothing this morning for anything I'm saying, if you think I'm some crazy missionary, guess what? Pastor Brian will be back soon. But if you think I'm some crazy guy, man, listen. You have to feel something for the people around you. Their marriages are failing. They're dying without Christ. Spend eternity in hell unless you go and say something to them. Those of you that are older than me, you have so many years on me. So much more knowledge. So many more stories. So much, much greater experience than I do. For you not to be going, it's a mistake. My wife's grandparents... Granddad was an exec at Chrysler in Michigan. Went to the mission field, called in the ministry in the 50s, went to the mission field in his 60s for the first time. Came back, pastored for the first time in his 70s, and he was dynamic. It's an amazing church, and he was pastoring for the first time in his 70s. Are you guys getting this? Are you guys getting this? It's got to cost you something, cost you your desires. I know, church, yes, I want the breakthrough. I want salvations. I want the revival. I want the growth. But when I'm in the middle of God's will, when God was building this six-story building, this is what it was. Spend the next hour telling you stories of sacrifice, attacks, pain, tears, and feeling spent the whole time on the mission field, giving everything I can to these people that are lost. Everything. I'm a car guy. I had a car there, okay? Selling that because we needed to move and we didn't have the money. Hobbies gone. I just want to see people saved, I want to see people reached. Is it going to cost you your desires? It's cost you your pride. Here's one more verse. Guys, you've got to hear this. Okay? 1 John 4, 19, 21. You guys, you guys getting that? I, I pray you get a little mad at me today. Have you, have you got that yet? Has anybody picked up on like, this guy wants me to be angry at him today? I, I don't need to be your friend. Okay, I'm sorry, right? I don't need to be your friend today. 
I want you to get this. I want you to wrestle with I want you to be uncomfortable. I want you not to like me. I'm not joking. I'm very serious. I want you to not, I want you to be offended today. Can I just go all the way? I want you to be offended by what I'm saying. I'm offending the elderly people. Because I need you guys. I need you speaking into my life. I need you emailing me, messaging me if you're on whatever social media, whatever. I need you to encourage me when I feel spent on the field because you've been there. Do you guys have, you got me? I need you. You have the time. You have the experience. I need your encouragement to get to where you are. You got it? Get a little mad today. Get a little uncomfortable. Okay? Wrestle with this topic. 1 John 4, 9. We spend much time here in 1 John. You're going to get angry. This is crazy. Okay? Already, right? Already. If the love of your world's in you, right? And uh, love of the Father is not in you. If you love the world, Father's not in you. Okay? Here's 1 John 4 if you want a little bit more kind of to bother you this morning. All right? We love. Because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. Don't you love 1 John? This is awesome. I love this book. Right? The love of the Father is not, you're a liar. Okay? If you hate your brother, you're a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God who he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. There are people here today, because, not here today, because they were offended. There's people here today, or not here today rather, that uh, because you've not gone to them and apologized. And so they don't want to come to your church. Which is what it is. Every church is the same. It's no different. Okay? But it says here, if you hate your brother, you're a liar. Okay. How can you love God but not love your brother? This was a radical message in Jesus' day to love those, right? Because it's easy to love your brother, right? You love your sister and your brother in Christ, the one you get along with. But Jesus came along and said, not only do I want you to love your brother, but I want you to love your enemy. And in fact, I don't want you just to love them, I want you to bless them. When's the last time we've blessed our enemy? Think about the worst person on the job, the worst person in your neighborhood. When is the last time you've bought them lunch or brought them dinner or a cake to their house? When's the last time you've blessed your enemy? The worst person you can think of. That's what it's talking about here today. Okay? This was radical. Where are you today? If you are to give or go to missions, you must lay down your pride, experience this radical message, love your brother. We must love those that are hated, hard to love, and unloved. If the church doesn't go to your jobs, your neighborhoods, your city, who's going to do it? Who's going to go? If nobody loves the unloved, the hard to love, the hated of society, if no one is broken, no one's praying for them, no one's inviting them to church, 
How are they ever going to be reached? Are you liking me yet, church? <laughs> okay. This is not my message. I hope you know this. It's not my message. If you haven't, haven't got this before, you've not read the book right. Okay. Listen. When the disciples couldn't cast out the demon-possessed boy, Jesus was up on the mountain with three of the disciples, transfiguration, you know, he shined bright, showed his deity. The rest of the disciples were down on the ground below. They, they could not cast out the demon, and they started arguing with the teachers of the law. Now you think when Jesus came down on that mountain, he would stand up for his boys. Ladies, it was boys at that time, but you can, get, you can fill in the blanks here, right? But he, you think Jesus would come down like, hey, 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 leave my boys alone. But when Jesus came down, he cast out the demon and rebuked his disciples. Why am I still with you people? Little faith, faithless generation. He didn't say a word to the religious people that day. Jesus wants to do this in us. He's here not to rebuke the world, but to rebuke us. So that we're out there. Disciples, I've given you authority to cast out this demon. In that case, Jesus said, only certain things come about by fasting and prayer. Are you willing to do... God's already called you to do something, but are you willing to fast and pray to go do what you can't do with what you currently have. Hope you guys got that. This is a radical message. I had this angry guy walk in the church. His wife, this sweet Hawaiian round. If you know Hawaiians, it's a compliment, okay? But sweet, round Hawaiian. She was like a teddy bear, right? You love to hug her. I was like, what's up? Oh, squeeze, squeeze tighter. You know, but it was awesome. She's like 70, so we're good. I'm married, she's married, but I still love to hug her, right? She came in, sweetest lady in the church. Man, I love seeing her. But I saw her husband came in, and he was a tall Chinese-American and he did not want to be there. You know what I'm talking about, right, church? I was standing up there, Pastor Brian. I was like, ooh, this is going to be a good day in church. Because I knew, I saw him. I wasn't excited about her. I was excited about him. He was an angry man. 70s. Listen to her. I want you to get this right side. I want you to get this story. I preached... You could tell he was uncomfortable. His, his wife brought him. Yeah, you know he did. She did, right? After the service, after I preached, he walked up and he says, I don't like you and I don't like what you're preaching. And you know what? Back in the old school, right? We got we to gotta throw this stuff away. Back in the old day, you know, you'd be like, hey, there's the door. There's plenty of churches out in town, right? That's old school. That's kind of like old boy, good old boy, right? Like, you can't speak to my pastor that way. We'll, we'll show you the door. But you know what? I know this book. I know this Jesus. I know he wants to transform lives. So you know what I said to him? 
It was good to have you. Hope to see you next week. True story. He came back next week. (laughs) It was awesome. I said, this is going to be another good day. I love it. He came up to me afterwards again. He says, I still don't like what you're preaching. And next week, I'm going to walk out. He just said he's coming next week. It was awesome. I was like, yes. So what did I say to him? I said, it's good to have you. See you next week. Guys, listen. I got so excited when I saw a hard man, hurt man, angry man. I didn't even know him. That was first Sunday in church. I said, but if he can know this Jesus... Take care of whatever that hurt is in his life. We've got to look at people different, right? Come on, church. We've got to look at them different. We didn't know, but he was dying. Died a few months later. Stage four cancer. He was losing weight. We didn't know. I mean, like a few months. He died. Went back to why. Nothing they could do. Died. Wife wrote me a letter. I could see her tears on the page. I wish I kept it. Thank you, Pastor. Listen, church, listen. The last three churches could do nothing for him. Thank you for loving him and caring for him. He loved Jesus. He loved the church. He loved God before he went to heaven. In fact, one of our Japanese members went to visit him before he died. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. Seventies. Hated me. Hated God. He was just hurt. Listen, we have to love these hated, hurt people. They must be here. You have to go. You have to try. You have to pray. You have to fast. Whatever it's going to take. Who's willing to go? Who's willing to reach Salem, surrounding city, wherever they come from? Who's willing to reach them? Who's willing to pay the price? Who's willing to do what it takes to see your neighborhoods, workplaces, city reached? Again, if you feel nothing when I'm preaching today, you feel nothing inside, go home and repent and pray. And like, this guy tells me I must feel something. Go home. Ask God, why don't I feel this way? Why am I not walking around my city burdened? You've got to ask the Lord that question. I do over and over, church. Over and over. I know my time's up. Can Can I share one more thing with you guys? One more verse? Is it okay? Okay. You got... If you got to stand up, that's fine, whatever. Walk around the back, I don't care. But I just want you to hear this, okay? 1 John 3, 17 and 18. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Church, we can't help everyone in this world. It's not possible. But you can help the ones God sends you. Are you asking for him? Are you looking for him when you walk out your door in the morning? When you leave today, 
we, we even have any sense of spiritual sense, leading of the Holy Spirit when you lead today. Like, who do I need to help today? Who is God leading me to today? When you go to work this week, what am I supposed to do on this job? Is it just the job? Is it just the paycheck? Or is there something more I'm supposed to be doing? Is there a greater purpose on this job? And the job is just the avenue. It's just the job to be that witness for him. Are we going to think that way? Are we going to walk that way? When we go to the grocery store, wherever we go, the bank, go fill up a tank. Someone's filling up your tank in Jersey, right? But you know, man, what does God have me, what have for me at this location? Who am I supposed to help? Man, when I was in Bible college, guys, I had no money, man. I was praying all the time, man. And all the time, I'd be going to a gas station and someone would ask me, hey, I need some gas. And I'm like, God, I'm a college student. You, you can see my checking account. You know that there's nothing in there and I need that money for food. But this guy's asking me for gas. And the Lord was testing me. Sorry. Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to be faithful through it all? Some in the Christian church are in danger. We know that we must love in this way. And have openly disobeyed God, not helping someone in need. And we say, I'll pray for you. Church, if you do anything, stop saying, I'll pray for you. Every single person out in the world knows you don't mean it and you'll forget it in five minutes when you walk away. They know you're not, they know you're fake. They know I'm fake when I say I'll pray for you. And I do nothing for them. I'm standing in the grocery store when I got a cart and I have credit card. I have a checking account. I have a little extra money in there. And I know I should fill up their cart too. And I say I'll pray for you. What are we doing? What are, what are we doing in this world? I'm not saying, church, you're not doing this. Maybe some of you are doing this great. But church, this is the word here today. We have to have pity on them. If not, how can we say the love of God is in us? Are we in danger today? So what I do now, I never say I'll pray for you. Never. If I'm standing in the grocery store, we stop and pray right there. Outside the restaurant, in the restaurant, I pray right there. Standing where people are passing and we're blocking the aisle. Every single person that comes up to me and they say, we need prayer, 
I'm in the 98, 99 percentile. Obviously, there's sometimes, guys. Okay? But I pray for them immediately at that moment. I want you to see how this God works. Amen, church? I'm at the end here, okay? I'm at the end. But it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you something to reach your city, to buy groceries, to buy lunch, to buy dinner. What it, it's going to cost you something to do it, okay? To give to a family in need. So I remember, guys, I didn't have a lot as a missionary, okay? And I give glory to God in these stories, I'm telling you, okay? But I remember one night at church, it was cold, wintertime in Japan. This homeless guy comes in the church, and he's not wearing a coat. He says, I need a coat. We don't have a coat in the church, you know. So home was about 15 minutes away. And I was standing in my closet, as I have a lot of coats. These are my best ones. These are my work coats. And I felt the Holy Spirit test me. What are you going to do? I picked my three best coats out of my closet. Not the middle, not the work, but the three best coats I had in Japan. I brought them to the church, and I got to tell you, my flesh was dying. Because I didn't have a lot. I couldn't get coats like that in Japan. I just couldn't. I'm sorry, I can't. Not these. I held up three coats to the guy, and even my flesh was struggling. I hope he doesn't pick that coat. It's my favorite coat. And guess which one he picks? My favorite coat. I could not replace it. I gave him the coat and I was joyful. And here's this homeless guy that walked out of the church with my coat. And he was warm because it was a nice coat. But I was happy, right? It's got to cost us something, guys. I'm asking you, this is what your, Pastor Brian just said. I'm asking you to consider being a part of giving to missions, going to missions, doing missions locally, worldwide, in a way that makes you wrestle with the number. Wrestle with the number. Wrestle with. If that's buying a dinner, buying groceries when you don't have it, if it's filling up a tank of gas, whoo, that's sacrifice today. Come on. Filling up somebody's truck with gas when they're in need, that's sacrifice. I'm asking you to struggle with it. Be uncomfortable with it. Let it be hard. Let there be sacrifice today. Amen, church? We're, we're finished, okay? Why don't you stand and I'll tell you last story, okay? Or if you can sit. I'm going to tell a story. So sit or stand, whatever you feel comfortable doing. But stand up if you'd like, you know, sit down. But if you want to stand, you know, young people, I'm waiting for you guys to stand. So, you know, but anyway, all right, come on. I want you guys, I want your mind to be fresh, okay? Sorry, I'm looking at you guys. But you can sit down if you, but listen, guys, Listen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell this story and I'm going to pray. This is what God wants you to do. This message is from him. It's scripture. It's, I've added a little bit to it. Okay? It's First John, right? I've added just a little bit to it. But I want you to know what I preach today works. Not only did our church explode there in that six-story building, but I shared at 9.30 this morning that we did another church and it tripled in size in just a few months. 
Simple people wanting to see more from God. Not satisfied, right guys? I am not satisfied with where I'm at in my walk up to 101 years old. You guys know why I keep on saying that. Okay? I am not satisfied with where I'm at. I want more in my life. Let me tell you a story. Okay? This works. I can't convince you enough that this works, what I'm teaching you today. I had this guy walk into church, very dark-skinned Asian. I'm going to go quick, and I'm going to pray. I promise. Fourth row back, left side. I preached, never seen him before. Preached, prayed with people, talked with people out of church. He's still sitting there in that fourth row back. Walked over into him, introduced myself. Hi, my name is Scott. He said, my name is Foon. Later on, I found out he's from Vietnam. First words out of his mouth. This is what we saw. This is your return on your investment. This is how God wants to work in your church. I want this Jesus you preached about today. First words out of his mouth. And I said, I said, we can take care of that today. We had a big function, pastor. I told the leaders of the church, you guys got to go. I'm here. I'll catch up with you later. They can take care of it. I spent a lot of time with him. I didn't do a quick salvation prayer. Walked through the scriptures with him. I said, this is what you're getting into. Are you willing to do it? And he got saved that morning. Listen, not the end of the story. This was his very first time in church ever in his life. I said, you got to tell me how you got here. This is what God wants to do in and through you. I'm a simple mechanic. That's it. No skills. So I'm just working with my hands. I can fix about anything with my hands. That's it. Not great knowledge. If you want to, in my family, if you want to talk to someone that's intellectual, next time I'll bring my wife. She's a smart lady. I'm boots on the ground. Okay? You can't tell by my preaching today. I said, Foon, how'd you get here this morning? He says, I was driving by. There's only a couple churches in town. I was driving by. He didn't live there, but he was driving on the base with a Japanese company. And he says, I'm in an America from Vietnam doing a work program. I'm going to take the knowledge. He's an engineer. I'm going to take the knowledge and take it back to Vietnam, right? Road construction. They were doing some construction on the base. He was driving by just a couple churches where our church used to be. That cockroach building was there at that gate. He said, I drove by these buildings, and he, he knew like three words, God, church, and Jesus, and that was it. He saw the cross, and he knew that meant church, but he'd never been. He didn't know anything about it. He didn't know anything in the scriptures at all. But he just knew that because he had a couple relatives that had died, and they were Christians, but he didn't know them. He didn't, but he heard about them. He was driving by that church and a voice spoke to him and said, go to church. He didn't know what church was. He had no idea what it was. So he went back to his apartment and he said, what is church? He had no clue what it was. The Mormons come by the door. They say, hi, 
we're missionaries from the Mormon church. So he thought that was the church. If you don't know Mormons, Mormon church is not a part of the Christian church. They have the same kind of titles and names and words, but it's not Christian. They're lost. But the Mormons came by, and so he said, this is a church, Brian. So he went to the Mormon church. He said, this is God's answer, this voice I heard. So he's sitting in the Mormon church. The voice spoke to him and said, this is not the church. He goes back to his apartment and says, what is the church? How do I find one? I don't live near those ones I saw. He doesn't have a car. He's not allowed to have a car. He's a bicycle. So he's learning English and Japanese at the same time. He's an intelligent man, young man, 20s, early 20s. And he's, he's flipping through the English magazine, just practicing his English that his teacher gave him. And he comes to the back where the advertisements are. And there's a little square advertisement. And it's ours. And that voice said, this is the church. Rode his bike 45 minutes to get to church. And he says, I want this Jesus you preached about. And he found that voice that spoke to him. This is what he wants to do. Listen. My wife's grandma, remember 50s and 60s mission field? 70s pastoring first time? My wife's grandma, I said I was going to tell one more story. Pastors have like two or three closings, okay? Listen. But in her 70s, I've never heard anyone give words of knowledge like her. Never in my life. She's a new Christian. She's got, they got saved in their 50s. She's new. But she is moving in a way where she'll stop the service and not some generic word, church. But just this word that is like reading a book of your life like that. God wants to use you. Let me pray. Time's up, church. It's late. Pastor told me 12.30. I did not believe it, but it is 12.30 right now. Okay? But guys, the time is worth it. Let me pray for you. The time is worth it. This is worth the time. I know you got things, and I've got people. Maybe there's kids. I don't know. Dance, whatever. I know, church. But what God wants to do here today in you is valuable. He wants to change your life. He wants you to be at these altars. He wants you to be at home. He wants you to be in your car, weeping for the lost. He wants you to go home today and wrestle with these words from this missionary you may not like. He's too strong. He's too loud. He's too rude. He's too long. I'm tired. But Lord, I pray for a wrestling in hearts today. Salem needs to be reached. Neighbors that you've never talked to need to be reached. Work, school, wherever it is 
that cashier that you know, that you've never mentioned Jesus. You need to tell them. They are dying, you don't know. They are dying. If they were in a car wreck, they would not go to heaven. God, burden us, change us today where we feel something. There's a brokenness in us. There's a concern for people that our worship increases, our prayer increases, our Bible reading increases because we need more of you. We're hungry for you. We're hungry for more of God. We're hungry for a move of God that we would just not sing about it, but we would see revival here in our church, in our city. But it takes a great work of prayer and fasting to get there. Some things only come about by prayer and fasting. There has to be great sacrifice to see a victory. There has to be a fight. The scriptures have given you those weapons. God, I pray this over this church. Pastors, leaders of this church. This brokenness. I can't sleep at night. Unsettled. Not satisfied. Embarrassed. Let repentance fall. Repentance for not doing what you've called us to do. I pray this over you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Amen. God wants us to have a passion for the lost. If you were with us on Wednesday nights, we made a list of all those individuals in your family that you are, that God put on your heart, that you might have shared with them, but after a while you stopped sharing. You're not out to be their corrector. That's what the Spirit of God is, but you're out to, to remind them that it's about relationship. No one's promised tomorrow. Last message, last Sunday, was about us being missional. We are missional people with a call, and there's a cost. But we need to be committed. We have to recognize that there's individuals who are not saved, and someone needs to say, we need to talk to our bosses, we need to talk to our friends, we need to talk to our family members, and we need to have that topic, not the easy topics, but we need to talk about heaven, hell. Both are real. Both are real. Eternity is so long. And when I'm with young people and stuff, they're not thinking about them dying. No one's ever thinking about dying until all of a sudden something happens. I've been there too many times, even in my own life. Accidents that have taken place that I should have died, but I'm still here. And unfortunately, it happened so many times in my life. Execution construction accidents, scuba diving accidents, it goes on. About eight times. 
but I'm still here. You know, sometimes when, sometimes in church, when things go long, we want God to do so much, but we want to want Him to do it within our time frame. I will long again when people don't care about time in church because it's like being with God. It's like being with a bride and a groom. They get together and they're, they don't want to, they're taking each other home one day or, or they're a girlfriend and boyfriend and, take, and they don't want the night to end. They just want to, oh, and you drive slower. That courtship with God. On the way out, you can place your faith promises inside the bucket. Your, your tithe and offerings can go in there too. I want you to really um, think what you can do. The altars are always open here at the house of the Lord. Let me put a blessing upon you. Father, I just thank you so much for who you are. May you really put a passion within our hearts. May you really put a passion on our hearts, God, to share the message of Jesus. And God, will you give us wisdom and insight? Help us to be your light. Help us to be your salt. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, we go with your presence. Give us eyes to see who you want us to talk to. Let our life speak the glory and the praises and the testimonies of God. And may we walk by faith and not by sight. We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people with a loud voice said, Amen. Amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.